Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. I'm in the third part of a four-week series, Discover Christmas. And uh, today I wanted to share, next week we're going to end this series, but today I just kind of wanted to share about experiencing God's ways in our life. Um, I don't know if some of you guys have ever had things that have not gone according to plan. Things that went a different direction than you were thinking. Uh, Times where you were saying, why, Lord, why was it this direction? Today I want to talk about experiencing God's way in our life. Not just experiencing God's way, but embracing God's way. Even when we might not understand it, even when it doesn't make sense, we need to put our trust that, you know what, God is in control. Amen? So before we begin, I want to start off with a really, really important question. And I want you to really kind of tune in here. If you're watching us online today, make sure you just I want you to grab a hold of this question. And I need to answer this question. Is Santa Claus real? Yes, I heard yes. How many of you believe in Santa Claus? This past Thanksgiving, um, my daughter, Brittany, had come home and she visited Thanksgiving and, and she's coming in on Christmas Eve. Yay, we get all of our kids here for Christmas, so we're excited about that. But uh, as we were talking over Thanksgiving break, um, <clears throat> she was sharing with us how one year her older brother, Evan, kind of ruined Christmas for her. And Evan was just that kind of a kid, and uh, he just kind of, in fact, he might be speaking here next week, actually, uh, or not next week, the week after. And, uh, but um, he, uh, yeah, he kind of ruined Christmas for Brittany. I said, what happened? And she said, he told me that Santa Claus wasn't real. He said, Santa Claus isn't real. And that began the argument. Are you, what are you talking about Santa Claus isn't real? And she, he goes, Brittany, have you ever thought? Because Annette would always put in the stockings up over the fireplace. She always stuffed them with little wrapped gifts. And all the gifts were signed from Santa. That's, and she still does it today. I mean, the kids are 25. She still does it today. From Santa. From Santa. And so Evan told her, you know, Santa's not real. She goes, what are you talking about? She, he, he all of a sudden gives this. He, he just blows it out of the water. All of a sudden he says, have you never noticed that mom's writing looks just like Santa's writing? Every person at some point in their life has to wrestle with the question, is Santa Claus real? When I was a kid, the number one struggle for my belief in Santa, and we're going to go somewhere, just don't leave, just hang on. (laughs) I could never rationalize the thought of how Santa Claus could get from every place, every home, in the entire world in one night. I was a rational kid. I thought through that. That's impossible. Until I saw the movie Santa Claus which is one of our family's favorite movies, the three. You know, they, I think there's three with Tim Allen. And, and all of a sudden, everything opened up to me. All of a sudden, I realized that Santa Claus could actually kind of get smaller and get down to the, through the chimney. Somehow, just miraculously, he just kind of va- vaporized into the chimney. And even the apartments that didn't have chimneys, all of a sudden, miraculously, a chimney would just appear for Santa Claus to go down. And then he would go from house to house in super speed. For some of you unbelievers, (laughs) I just explained to you to restore that belief in Santa Claus. 
If you don't believe in Santa Claus, I promise you, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be starring next to Candace Camera in one of the Hallmark movies where she's trying to explain to you that Santa Claus is real. And more than that, she's going to explain to you that it's actually her father's. So it's time to make a choice. And some of you thought, man, your pastor has really lost it. He's completely lost it. But I open up with that story of Santa because sometimes I think we as people look at the Bible and we look at it as a book that is filled with fictional stories. The whole idea of Christmas, the Virgin Mary giving birth to a baby in a manger, the shepherds out in the field encountering angels, uh, the wise men following the star to where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod giving this decree that all of a sudden every child under the age of two would be slain. Pastor Tom, how could all those stories actually be real? How could that actually all take place? And sometimes we just start thinking that it's like a fairy tale. But I want to share some thoughts with you today about the true Christmas story. It's a story of Jesus. And the story of Christmas is not some made-up stories. It's not a made-up story and that everybody around the world has just decided all of a sudden to start celebrating. I want to remind you that the apostles, most of the apostles were martyred for the faith. They gave up their life because of Jesus. Many of the early church followers were persecuted. Some of them actually were, were, were martyrs as well. They gave up their life for the cause of following Christ. Who, who in their right mind would sacrifice their own life for a made-up story? It wouldn't take place. But Pastor Tom, God revealing himself in the form of a baby? Really? Could that be true? Why would God choose such a crazy way to make himself known to the world? And that's kind of our topic for today. I want to talk about how do we experience God's ways in our life. So many of us want to do life our way. Each and every day we make decisions, and I guarantee it because I do it all the time, but just because I'm a pastor, I'm not exempt from trying to do things my way. And there's times in my life I think I know better than God. And God has put a path, I'm going, no, I want to go my way. But you see, the Bible calls us, guess what? We are called followers of Christ. We're called to go God's way. And the first thought I want to share with you today is this. God's way surpasses our ways. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who is really intelligent in a specific field that you are not so intelligent in? <laughs> you have minimal knowledge, a microbiologist or a neuroscientist or one of mine is an electrical engineer. I know nothing about electricity. All of a sudden they start talking to me about different repairs happening in the church and you got to do this and you got to do that. And, and you know, I'm just kind of, yeah, nodding my head, acting like I know what I'm talking about, you know. And I really was lost in the third or fourth word of the first sentence. I don't know nothing about how everything works with electricity, and, and I'm lost. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, the Lord states these words. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to understand God's ways or method, especially when they go against our nature or go against our desires or go against the way that we want. Why did that person get the promotion and not me, Lord? 
Why is that person able to buy a house and I still have, I'm trying to do it and it, nothing is open? Why, Lord? Why has this opportunity happened? Why didn't you open up this door for me? It looked like a great, why, why, why? And so many times we were asked these questions or we're given something that we don't want. Oh, you, we're going to give you this great opportunity. Oh, gee, thanks. And you're going like, Really? Do they understand the amount of work this is going to require? And, and we're looking at all these things. And, and, we, 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 and it's a reminder for all of us that God's ways or God's methods are higher than ours. And there are times that his understanding, most of the time, is beyond our understanding. I mean, Annette and I have a hard time just choosing where we're going to have dinner one night. Come on, couples, you know what I'm talking about. Where do you want to go? I don't know. We don't even... Or preparing dinner. And here we're going to question the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, the creator of the world, the creator of the stars and the moon and the sun. Of all things, we're going to question that. Once again, it should remind us to trust, to put our trust in God for all things. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. He says, oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. If you think about the Christmas story, the story of redemption, the story of salvation, I don't know that, there's, that any of us would have designed the plan the way that God designed it. I don't know if any of us would have written the story the way that, that God wrote the story. To reveal himself in a form of a baby? The most helpless and weakest state of any human being, a newborn baby. Think about a newborn baby. They can only exist with your help. They're 100% dependent upon you. The only thing they know how to do is poop, sleep, and cry. Those three things. They don't know how to eat or drink yet. you got to show them even how to do that. I mean, they are helpless. If you were the creator of the heavens and the earth, would you ever think of the story, oh, I'm going to reveal myself to all of mankind by coming in the form of a baby? You just wouldn't even think about going that direction. I mean, most of us would, man, we would plan this grand entrance. I mean, we would come out kind of like at one of the Mariah Carey's opening uh, Christmas uh, song, you know, how she comes out with all that and a bag of chips, you know, and she comes in. That's how we would enter in. If we were God, we're going we're gonna to reveal ourselves in this grand joy. Why would God choose a way of revealing himself to all of mankind as a newborn baby? Think about it. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born as an earthly king. He wasn't born in riches or with an influence. He was born what? In a stable? To a young girl who had gotten pregnant before marriage? Who was most likely kind of ridiculed and mocked by others? His entrance wasn't grand. It was simple. It was modest. Many times we are surprised by God's way. Why would you do it that way? But once again... God's ways are higher than our ways. And I think it's important for us to understand that and grab a hold of that truth in our lives because so many times we question God's ways. We question God's methods. Consider how God chose David, a young shepherd boy, to take down the mighty Goliath. 
No one would have written that story. And then for that shepherd boy to be all of a sudden become king of all of Israel? He chose a boastful kid named Joseph. He was the youngest son of Jacob. He chose Joseph to all of a sudden to be second in command of all of Egypt. His brothers hated him. Everybody hated him. He got thrown into prison. All these type of, And then he became second in command. And then Joseph proceeds to save all of Egypt and save his own family from starvation. Who would have written that story? God uses Moses, a murderer of an Egyptian soldier, a person that had a hard time communicating. He says, hey, Moses, I know that you struggle, but I'm going to choose you. You're going to deliver my people out of Israel. I choose you. God's way. God chose a prostitute, Rahab, to rescue the Israelite spies when they were trapped in Jericho. And all of a sudden, God used her to deliver the spies out of Jericho. Uh, 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 the prostitute rape, why would you do such a thing? And then all of a sudden you look in the book of Matthew and all of a sudden you find out that Rahab is mentioned in the genealogy of Christ? How does that work? And then God chooses a place called Bethlehem to be a birthplace of his son Jesus, a place considered small and insignificant at the time. Story after story, time after time, God would use the outcast, the lowly, the ordinary, the humbled to accomplish his plan. That's the Christmas story. God's redemptive plan is no different. He uses a baby, his son Jesus, to deliver all of mankind. At times we just kind of push through the Christmas story, we don't really think about how crazy of a plan it really is. And we kind of think, man, but it's God's way. But for me, as we walk through this Christmas time, I think it's really a great reminder for all of us that God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. It might seem crazy. It might, it might seem like, how is this going to go? How is this going to work? But God has a plan. I share this with you today because sometimes God's ways are outside of the ordinary. They're outside of the, uh, our understanding or our, our beyond our ability, beyond our, our reach. It sometimes feels like a fairy tale. It's kind of similar to what Moses must have experienced when God approached Moses and said, you know what, you're going to lead my, my children, my, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And remember how Moses responded to God? He said, who am I? Have you ever done that? Lord, you know who I'm talking to, right? You know who you're talking to, Lord. Who am I? And once again, God's ways are higher than our ways. And the truth that I want to share with you today is that we need to learn how we can start trusting and following God's ways. Stop questioning God all the time and just start choosing to say, yeah, God, I'm following your way. The second thought I want to bring to us is that God's way, ways involve us. God doesn't leave us out of the process. He doesn't leave us out of the equation. We are intimately involved in God's plan. And as I shared before, God doesn't necessarily use the rich and the famous to, 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 for the redemptive plan. God uses ordinary people who are humbled before him. On the wondrous night of Jesus' birth, God used a young couple who were on their way to Bethlehem to register for a census that Caesar Augustus had put out. And guess what? That night they gave birth to the Savior. His name was Jesus. God used a group of shepherds who, at that time, shepherds were the most common people of the day. He used a group of shepherds who were tending their sheep 
out in the fields to join in with God's heavenly host of angels who are praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. It was like God united the shepherds with the heavenly host of angels, with the choir from angels. God uses people. And then the thought that the grand spectacular, think, think about this. This event, the birth of Jesus, it had been prophesied for thousands of years. It, there was an expectation that the Savior was coming. They didn't know how the Savior was going to come, but there was that expectation that the Savior was coming. And then finally when the arrival of the Savior comes, it doesn't happen at Carnegie Hall. It doesn't happen at the Sydney Opera House. It doesn't happen at Walt Disney Concert Hall. It doesn't happen in any of those places. It happens in Bethlehem, a little town that was considered lowly, a little town that was kind of set aside, a little town that thought, you know, that can anything happen in Bethlehem? What's, what's in this town? What's so special about it? And the announcement doesn't take place in, in Carnegie Hall. It takes place out in the fields outside of Bethlehem. See, God uses ordinary people to be part of an extraordinary miracle, the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas didn't take place in Jerusalem or at the temple, which you think that would be the obvious place to take place. It didn't happen through the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the religious people of the day. It didn't take place amongst kings or queens. It took place in Bethlehem in a manger with the formal announcement taking place out in the fields. It reminds us that God desires that we are part of his plan. If there's ever been a time in your life that you wonder, what's my purpose? God, why am I put on this earth? God, I don't understand. It seems like I, can I share with you, God has a plan for your life. He wants to involve you in the story of Christmas. He wants you to understand the value of Jesus, his Savior. He wants you to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. We might not always understand God's timing because we have limited perspective. The older you get, the more you start to understand God's timing. Not completely, but you get glimpses of it. And you go, oh, I see. Because see, God involves his people to accomplish his plan. Think about the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection had enormous importance. It was proof that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted and that death no longer had power over him. Jesus' resurrection was a magnificent event. And who do you think Jesus appeared to first? You would have thought maybe he appeared to, like once again, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the religious people, or to queens and queens. No, he appeared first to a group of women that came out to see him. He appeared secondly to his disciples. And then he started appearing to have small groups of people that followed him. He never really made this. He could have made this grand entrance. He could have been, I'm the king that's resurrected and paraded through the streets and flags could have been flying and everything else. But he chose not to. He, he left just in the way that he entered in a humble position before all of us. He even gave his disciples and his followers the responsibility to share about his resurrection. He didn't take on that. He said, you guys, I'm sending you forth. You see, God wants his people to be a part of the plan. It became their assignment to go forth and share the good news to all people. Jesus chose to use ordinary people to proclaim the message of the good news 
and to build his church. And once again, I remind you, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God has never tried to accomplish his plan by using the most talented or the most gifted people. God achieves his plan and catches thought. So simple. So basic. God achieves his plan through those who are willing to serve. Through those who have a heart that, are, that is opened up to God and say, here am I, choose me. It is basically the way that God uses. When people are willing to step out in faith, God says, guess what? I see the heart of that person. Sometimes we're dragging our feet even. But if God's called you, you're not going to get away from God's calling. He'll get a hold of you. Stop delaying and start acting upon his calling. It's the humility of our heart that God is evaluating evaluating, and if we are surrendered to his will and to his purpose. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He writes, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. Isn't that interesting? And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Welcome to our day. Notice how God's plan reveals his supernatural power working in and through our lives. And look at that last verse. As a result, verse 29, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Of God. It's not that God is a narcissist. <laughs> so get that thought out of your mind. God is not a narcissist. It's not that God is afraid of not receiving all the glory. But I want you to catch this. God knows that it's vital to our salvation that we understand this truth that our dependence solely lies on His Son Jesus Christ and His righteousness. There is no other way to enter into heaven except through Jesus Christ. And if we are so full of ourselves and that we don't understand that we are 100% dependent upon Christ, just like a baby is dependent upon their, 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 their mother or their father, then we will never enter into heaven. We are dependent upon his righteousness. With any other belief, we miss the gift of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In God's infinite wisdom, he has chosen to use his followers, you and me, to share the good news of salvation to the world. And it further demonstrates how we're a part of God's supernatural plan. And the last truth that I want to share with you today is this. As we enter into Christmas, make sure that you allow God's ways to change you. Let Christmas change you. Part of the miracle of Christmas is understanding how God's intervention into our lives begin to change us. There's a word in the Bible that's, that, that's called justification. It's a theological term that we use. And when we choose to follow Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, we make a decision to invite Christ into our lives. The Bible says that we're justified. We're justified by his grace because of his righteousness, not our righteousness, but because of his righteousness, all of a sudden we are justified. And it's instantaneously... We are considered holy because of our faith in Jesus, who he is. 
the best way I can explain it to you today is this thought. If you were living as a child in an orphanage, you had no rights. You had no defense. You were completely left to that orphanage. But if all of a sudden the judge in that community decided that I'm going to adopt this little child out of the orphanage and I'm going to take him to be my own, immediately your position changes drastically. Your position changes from someone that was not wanted, not, not necessarily always cared for, sometimes was, was abused in wrong ways, sometimes you had no defense because no one was defending you. All of a sudden, you're taken from that position, and you're brought into this position where you're living in a home of a judge that has all power in that community, and everybody's respecting that judge, and all of a sudden, you take on that same goodness, that same Righteousness as the judge has in that home because he has adopted you into his family. When you choose to follow Christ, guess what happens? You are taken out of a nowhere land where all of a sudden no one wants you, no one cares for you, and you are brought into this land that God loves you, he cares for you, and you are an adopted son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And you are justified not by your works. There was nothing that you could have ever done. You were stuck. You are justified because you had a loving heavenly father that cares for you. And you chose to put your faith in his son, Jesus. We are holy because of our faith in Jesus. The apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Another word that I want to talk to you today about how God changes us is a word, a theological word called sanctification. And sanctification is God's way to restore relationship with him. It's part of God's creative plan that takes place from the very beginning. Sanctification works through God's involvement or presence in our life. The word justification, as I said, was instantaneous. But the work of sanctification, guess what? It is an ongoing process that continues to work in your life and continues to change you. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Spirit that resides in your life that all of a sudden you are being sanctified. You are being changed. You are being changed more and more into the image of Christ. The old things are dying off and new things are coming alive into your life. Listen to Jesus' prayer for his believers in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. When Jesus came into this earth in the form of a baby, guess what? It started a plan. It was the truth of God's word that was being born into the lives of people. And then the Holy Spirit was given to us to guide us and to lead us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I want us to say that together because I want us to understand that in our lives. Because this is a promise that we need to grab a hold of and we need to put our trust in God. Read that second part. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How many believe that? How many will put your trust that, you know what, God will guide me, the Spirit of God will lead me, the Spirit of God will, even when I don't understand God's plans, even when I don't understand God's way, I'm going to put my trust in Him. As followers of Jesus, God is at work in our lives. Never doubt that. He's at work in ways that we will never understand, can never comprehend, but He's at work. If it was up to us, many times in life we would choose to change our story. 
We'd say, hey, I want to do over. I don't want to do it this way. I want to change my story. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. You see, you got to understand, in God's infinite plan, He allows our story to become His story by miraculously changing us through His presence. That's the miracle. For me, when you think about Christmas and Jesus came into this earth in the form of a baby and died on a cross for my sins and gave us the comfort, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's changing. It's all about changing our lives. It's about setting us free from sin and moving us forward with Christ. Our struggles, our pains, our temptations are all areas where we must become more reliant upon Him. And when we come, become more reliant on Jesus, then His presence has opportunity to change us. All of us have experienced difficulties in life. Anybody have never had a difficulty? Raise your hand if you've never had a difficulty. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm speaking to the right crowd. Sometimes life feels unfair. Sometimes we ask that cra crazy question, why me, Lord? This is not my way. I haven't planned this. Why me? Again, today I remind you, God's ways are higher than our ways. I think he shows us that when he brings the Savior in the form of a baby. We also know this truth, according to Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good of all those, for everyone who loves him and who are called according to his purpose. Think about Mary's story, discovering that she was pregnant outside of marriage. In Jesus' day, basically that could have been a death sentence for her. It was punishable by death. The embarrassment that Mary and Joseph endured, the shame, the rumors that were going behind their back. But do you think after knowing, I want you to catch this thought. All the things that they went through. Joseph was actually going to divorce her until the spirit of an angel said, no, no, no. You're going to marry her. She's going to give birth to the Savior. But all the stuff, all the, the things that you go through in life, you hear all the gossip and the rumors and all the stuff. and you, you, people, you feel like people don't love you, don't care for you. What's going on? You know they walked through that pain. You know they walked through that difficulty. You know they walked through that stuff. And yet, do you think they would trade any of that? Because they knew. They were informed they're going to give birth to a little boy named Jesus. And he's going to be the Savior of the world. Do you think they would change anything? Even though they might not have understood it in the beginning? After the fact, they look back and they go, yeah. They wouldn't change a, way, a single thing because God was working through their life. And I'm here to declare to you today, God is working through your life. You just need to put your trust in Him. Many times from our perspective, it doesn't look like it. Sometimes it doesn't look like much. But from God's perspective, it's a beautiful tapestry of His grace working through the body of Christ. It takes every single one of us, just like the shepherd out in the field. Guess what? It takes all of us together that all of a sudden, the story of Christmas, the beautiful story of Christmas, we're just sharing about the Savior of Jesus Christ. Many times in the immediate, we don't understand the moment. It's impossible. Yet we must choose to trust God and believe that we are part of His plan. God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen? Lord, we thank You for today. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, mercy, your power that's working in and through our lives.
Today I pray that for many of us where we have maybe struggled sometimes with your ways, sometimes the direction that life takes and we think, why God? Why did you choose that way? Lord, I pray that the questions that we have sometimes in life would be replaced with greater faith and trust in you. That Lord God, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a good, good father. That you love us. That you sent your son to die for us and to set us free from our sins. I pray that this Christmas time, that Lord God, even as we walk through this week, some of the things, the plans, the ways that we have questioned in the past, I pray God that maybe even if we don't understand it, there'll be a greater peace in our life than ever before. And as we enter into this Christmas, that some of the things that maybe have held us hostage, that we'd be set free from those things, Lord God, so that we could celebrate Christmas and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would continue to use us in greater ways than we could have ever imagined. I pray, God, that you would use this church in greater ways than we could ever imagine. I pray for every person that's sitting here in the congregation, God, that you would choose to use them in greater ways than they maybe ever could have imagined. I pray, Lord God, that not one day would go by where, Lord God, your presence is not in our life, that we're not moving forward, we're not taking steps forward to accomplish your plan, Lord God, to make known your goodness and your grace to all people. Lord, today, we choose to love you and call you our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you today. And everyone said, amen. God good? Yeah, he's faithful. He will honor you. He will continue to pour out to you as you continue to give your life over to him. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.